，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Offson 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Vice President Lai Qingde attended the last day of the 2023 Yushan Forum, giving a speech on regional cooperation, delivering remarks in English. Lai stressed that peace and stability in the Indo-Pacific region were crucial to peace and prosperity in the world. He said Taiwan would continue working with like-minded partners and being a force for good. Vice President Lai Qingde. On the second and final day of the Yushan Forum, Vice President Lai Qingde attended a roundtable discussion titled "Start a New Blueprint for Asian Development." Delivering remarks in English, Lai said Taiwan was a force for good that would continue to cooperate with neighbors under the new southbound policy. As long as the Indo-Pacific region is stable and prosperous, the world will be stable. And prosperous as well. Lai said that amid the expansion of authoritarianism, maintaining peace and stability in the Indo-Pacific region was critical. He said Taiwan would continue to work with like-minded partners. No country can handle all this alone. Therefore, I look forward to us all working in unity to face these challenges. Your presence here today. Not only signifies unwavering support for Taiwan, but also showcases our shared commitment to democracy, peace, and prosperity. Lai drew a comparison between Taiwan and its tallest mountain, Yushan. Just like the enduring Yushan, he said, Taiwan will forever stand as a faithful friend to the world, eager to promote democracy, peace, security, and prosperity. On Wednesday, China blasted the DPP presidential candidate, who had referred to the election as a choice between democracy and autocracy. It will only put Taiwan in a dangerous situation. The golden child of Taiwan independence will only harm the future generations of Taiwan. When asked for a response to Beijing, Lai wouldn't be drawn. At a campaign event the day before, Lai commented on a potential alliance between the KMT and TPP, which could threaten his campaign. Right now, nobody knows how many candidates will register. What we need to do is be as ready as we can be. Isn't that right? Lai said that no matter what the opposition parties do, he aims to be fully prepared in order to emerge victorious. Now, turning to the presidential election, could an alliance be forming between the KMT and Taiwan People's Party? Aides of the two camps have agreed to a three-hour meeting this Saturday. KMT contender Ho Youyi says that in addition to the meeting, he himself will remain in communication with the rival party's candidate. There has been goodwill on both sides. We will move in the direction of a KMT TPP alliance. Chairperson Ke and myself and our staff are always in communication. 一样是依据这三个主张，哈，就是公开透明。We will raise three issues: transparency, public debates, and fair polling. 
Ke will be represented by his campaign manager Huang Shanshan and his office director Vincent Cho. Ho will send his campaign chief Jing Bochong and Justin Huang, secretary general of the KMT. The entire meeting will be videotaped with footage to be released if there is a dispute. A joint press conference will be held after the talks. Taiwan plans to open up its lodging industry to migrant workers in order to solve a labor shortage. According to Transport Minister Wang Guocai, the policy has been drafted and sent to the Labor Ministry for review. It could take effect as early as November, just in time for the winter holidays. But experts fear that cheap labor will affect the domestic job market, depressing wages and threatening local livelihoods. White sheets are laid, pillows are fluffed, and the bed is ready to welcome the next guest. As tourism booms post-pandemic, hotels are making up for their COVID-era losses with every holiday. But a labor shortage is limiting the speed of recovery. Notably in remote areas, the labor shortage actually began five or six years ago when tourist numbers began to rise. And then over the past few years, we had the pandemic that extended the labor shortage even to Cities. Some large hotels have partnered with universities or are considering hiring retirees in order to fill the worker shortfall. But with the shortage at 25 to 30 percent across the lodging industry, the Tourism Administration plans to open up the market to migrant workers. It aims to roll out the policy in November, just in time for the winter holidays. Hotel housekeeping and cleaning work can be quite grueling, so even if salaries are raised to support recruitment, it's still not easy to find workers. Labor unions say that post-pandemic hotel prices have been sky-high, yet employers have not raised their wages accordingly, leading to employee attrition. They say that introducing cheap labor is a quick fix, but it doesn't address the reason why hotels are understaffed. If the industry is opened up to migrant workers, a salary threshold should be set so that the policy doesn't drag down industry wages and affect local workers. Today, there are many middle-aged and senior workers who are willing to enter the lodging industry. When looking for a job, this group is at a relative disadvantage. The introduction of migrant workers could affect their employment opportunities. In the lodging industry, and especially in cleaning roles, there is a serious shortage of workers. We have had long discussions on this with the Ministry of Labor, and now we've proposed a preliminary plan, but we need to finalize it with the Ministry of Labor. With the national labor market shifting, hotels aren't the only ones struggling to hire. The manufacturing industry opened up to migrant workers this June. But as the government solves the labor shortfall, it faces the second test of easing the impact on domestic workers. The Israel-Palestine conflict has entered its sixth day with heavy casualties on both sides. At National Taiwan University, more than 30 Israeli students gathered to show support for their homeland. The students sang their national anthem and held up their flag. They also held a memorial laying flowers to mourn the victims back home. Israeli students in Taiwan raise their national flag and sing their anthem. They've gathered at National Taiwan University to speak out for their country. My whole family is fighting. My brother is on the northern border right now. My father, he's almost 60 years old. He's out volunteering for the border control. All of my family right now is in a 
in a bomb shelter. Last week, the Palestinian militant group Hamas launched an attack on Israel, setting off a war. With the conflict now entering its sixth day and casualties rising, Israelis abroad are banding together. We know a few people that already came back. Uh, we want to come back, but there are no, no uh, available flights right now. Uh, right now, all my friends are recruited, uh, also my boyfriend. As soon as they say he have to come, we will leave everything and we'll, we will be there for our country. They laid flowers on a memorial to mourn the victims back home. Several Taiwanese took part in the event. This is not about taking sides and inciting hatred and confrontation. I hope that their hearts can find comfort. Almost every family has relatives involved. Over at the Kaohsiung Film Festival, the Israeli director of Love Has Nothing to Do With It told journalists that two members of his film crew had been reported dead back home. I'm here, as you probably heard, uh, during the war that's currently happening in my country. And when I landed, here, I learned that at first it was one crew member who worked with me on this film was murdered during the terrorist attacks, and two days later, I learned that another one was also um, is one of the uh, killed. So I'm here to talk about the, the the situation currently happening in my country. Something after October 7th changed the the perception how fragile everything is. You know, coming from Israel, for example, we never ever thought we would be slaughtered and um, be captivated, beheaded sometimes. That's something that recently uh, was talked about. The director shared the devastating news. He expressed his hopes for peace and a swift end to the war. With the rise of AI, generative art is becoming more prominent in artistic circles. Artworks are created with non-human technology that independently determines some or all of their artist's features without input from the artists involved. Taiwanese artist Wu Zheyu writes algorithms to create generative art pieces and musical compositions. FTB reporter Stephen Yang takes us more to find out more. Taiwanese artist Wu Zheyu plays the electric piano. Behind him, displayed on the walls, are generative art pieces. As he plays, their backgrounds change. Wu wrote algorithms to create these works. The exhibition combines generative art with classical and modern electronic music. Well, generative art is more like an engineering process, not like taking a brush and do something on the canvas. It's actually when I'm write, writing code, it's like I'm writing poems. The artwork itself is the code, and the code is an organic system living in the space. So every time people come in, they have different music signals. You can see the generative art just changed by all the behavior. So all the people were just involved in the artwork itself. The exhibition presents 13 generative art pieces divided into three chapters. The series of works are inspired by nature, modern art, math, physics, and more. As an engineering student, I try to find how to describe all the things we see in the world. So like, can we use math and algorithm to simulate a fish swimming in the deep sea? Can we use those to describe the mountains in, the, in Taiwan? So I think that is a very uh, interesting way to present art.
who said it was a laborious process to write the codes and put everything together to present the exhibition. All the code in this exhibition is the code from like three years ago. So I make, keep making different works. There's th 300 to 400 pieces. And then we make an organic system to combine them all together. So this exhibition takes around six months to form it into its final visual. It's different from AI. So actually we are more handcrafted code. So AI is like black box. We don't know what to expect from that. But for this, we are kind of making a very delicate machine like clock. Wu studied electrical engineering at National Yangming Jiaotong University and integrative digital art at New York University for his master's program. He began learning creative coding in 2017 and creating non-fungible tokens in 2020. He sees huge potential in combining generative art with fashion and hopes to collaborate with the fashion industry in the future. There's a time I'm just confusing a little bit about how to merge engineering and art and also math. And as a student in Taiwan, most of the time we are solving problems. But I think uh, engineering is also a medium to create and thinking to collaborate with uh, fashions, uh, fashion industry. We make a cloth collaboration this time. So it is actually a cloth with different algorithm. And then it has 100 different, very, like different uh, styles, but from same algo. So I think that is a very um, good point to get out of the box just to let this kind of uh, creative and algorithm art start to evolve and thrive into the society. The Great Equation, a digital life journey will be held till October 16th. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Jin Sun Luo in Taipei. Taichung Mayor Lu Xiaoyan has accepted blame for the National Day fireworks premature launch. The display started 20 minutes ahead of schedule after VIPs gave speeches that were shorter than expected. Speaking to a city councillor, the mayor said the scheduling lapse was, quote, all our fault. But another Taichung official claims that the defense ministry is also to blame. After the premature launch of the National Day fireworks, the Taichung city government faced fiery criticism from city councillors. Taichung Mayor Lu Xiuyan took full responsibility. The Taichung city government accepts all the blame for this. It was all our fault. Lu rushed to put out the fire. But the day before, her tourism director Chen Meixiu had a different take on what happened. The National Security Bureau said the Defense Ministry Fireworks Unit, our chief director, and the MC would each have a controller and they'd have to manage the launch together at the control station. So the fireworks launch was indeed handled by all three parties. The tourism director said the Defense Ministry was partly to blame, but Defense Minister Chiu Guozhen said the ministry only had a supervisory role and did not have a hand in making decisions. The Ministry of National Defense did not take part in the decision-making process, okay? The National Day celebrations are led by the organizing committee. We were involved in some of the work, but we did not make any decisions. From the transport arrangements to the premature launch of the fireworks to the general chaos at the event, it was all such a pity. It showed a lack of meticulousness in the city government's planning. 
Amid the mishaps, the National Day Organizing Committee apologized Wednesday evening, saying it would learn from the mistakes and launch a review. Mayor Liu has repeatedly apologized, hoping to quell the outrage. Taiwan's Asian Games athletes were honored at the presidential office on Thursday. The team brought home 19 gold medals, matching the record Taiwan set in Thailand in 1998. When welcoming the athletes, President Tsai Ing-wen held them as heroes and a valuable asset to the nation. Yang Yongwei and Gu Xiaoshuang, who won Taiwan's first and final gold medals, respectively, also spoke at the reception. As long as we persevere, our hopes will be within reach. Such is the resilience of the Taiwanese people. Just as boxer Lai Zhu-en said, let your sun burn bright and become a light for others so that they too can be a sun for someone else. What makes me very happy is that through competing, I was able to motivate and encourage all our national team members. I was the very last athlete to compete on the last day. Because I had watched all of you compete with such passion, I was inspired to be like you and give everything that I had. Right after the reception, the athletes attended a celebratory banquet where they met with Premier Chen Jianren. Boxer Lin Ting expressed her joy, saying that she, she was usually on the sidelines cheering for the stars of Team Taiwan. She said she never expected to be able to share the spotlight. Go player Xu Haohong said he was honored to be among such outstanding talent. One of Taiwan's premier plastic surgeons is dedicated to helping rural patients heal their wounds. Dr. Zhang Huishou is a reconstructive surgery expert at National Taiwan University Hospital. The Yunlin native moved back to the East Coast to work in a rural branch hospital. Then she realized that many older patients struggle to access health care because of mobility issues. That can lead to tragic outcomes which would otherwise be preventable. Now she focuses on providing home visits for those patients. She says many wounds can make a good recovery if they just get the attention of a capable doctor. Many people call Zhang Huishou the wound witch. She's currently based at the Yunling branch of National Taiwan University Hospital as the attending physician for plastic surgery. Hang in there a moment. I'll tidy it up a bit and it will heal faster. It was a single class in college that led Zhang to choose plastic surgery for her career, but she eschewed the lucrative route of cosmetic surgery, instead choosing to return to her rural hometown Yunling and take up reconstructive surgery and wound management. The reconstructive surgery that people mostly hear about is probably after cancer, especially after throat cancer. In a relatively short period of time, with just one operation, you can give the patient a more normal appearance, and that's a very satisfying thing. After moving back to Yunling, she noticed how intense the aging of the population is. Many older people in her community have mobility problems and struggle to visit doctors. That means they often live with chronic bad smells or unhealed wounds. Their normal care is very difficult, so when they're finally brought in to see a doctor, it's because they're really desperate. So it's a real mess. That made me realize how many people need help. 
Jung applied to the health ministry for funding to take her team out from the hospital for home visits. That saves patients the challenges of travel, giving them the best possible treatment. Doctors who provide in-home care have already been to the patient's home. If they can clean the wound, they have the ability and the experience, then many wounds can improve very quickly and they won't end up in such a bad condition. Some may think that wound management is too simple work for a first-rate plastic surgeon like Zhang, but she disagrees. She's on a mission to help patients handle and treat wounds as well as possible. There are plenty of challenges along the way, but Zhang says when she sees her patients healthy and smiling, it's all worth it. Over the past few years, immersive exhibitions have become increasingly popular in Taiwan. One that's currently on show in Taipei has been inspired by Alice in Wonderland. The immersive experience makes visitors feel as if they are actually inside a magical and fantastic world. Alice in Wonderland was created by Victorian novelist Lewis Carroll and featured in a beloved Disney movie. Let's go down to the rabbit hole with FTV reporter Stephanie Yang. A little girl walks around this exhibition room, interacting with different characters from Alice in Wonderland. She tumbles down the rabbit hole and joins Anna, Alice's granddaughter, in the fungal forest and interacts with the waterfalls there. Along the way, she also meets characters such as the Cheshire Cat, Rabbit, the Mad Hatter, and the Queen of Hearts. This is a new exhibition in Taipei. It's fun. I like Alice the most. I saw the Queen, Alice, the Cat, and her grandmother. I used to watch Alice's cartoons. The characters move and seem very real. I want to come back again to play here. The exhibition utilizes technologies such as motion tracking, projection mapping, and spatial audio soundscapes to allow visitors to visit Wonderland and interact with its creatures. The animated film is narrated in both Mandarin Chinese and English. This exhibition is very novel because I have never participated in this kind of exhibition before. It turns ordinary stories into reality. It is really interesting for children to immerse themselves in the scenes. The exhibition will be held in Taipei until December 31st. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Hu Chong-en in Taipei.